Yes, sir. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Human trafficking, also known as modern-day slavery, is alive and well in the United States and all over the world. In fact, every year, millions of people in the world, including in the U.S., are brought and sold for the purposes of forced labor or sexual exploitation. And it can happen in any demographic, any gender, any race, or any nationality. And so today, I want to welcome you to the front porch of hell. That's right, the front porch of hell. Can you imagine what that might be like? Well, you will not have to imagine it soon because we're going to be joined by a very special guest who is going to help translate to us as best she can what that front porch looks like and what people are doing to deal with it. She also is part, she and her husband are part of a ministry called Project Rescue, a global movement to bring freedom to survivors of sexual exploitation. We could call this program From Horror to Hope, or we could call it From Sexploitation to Salvation. Anyway, on the program today, we journey first to the front porch of hell, and I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. The human trafficking facts in 2021, well, they are... Uh, revealing how serious this problem is and that something needs to be done about it. In fact, there are those who are trying to do something about it, but it's a very elusive kind of thing to deal with. Traffickers use a variety of coercive methods to control their victims, including luring their victims with false promises of economic opportunity withholding identification, work authorization or travel documents, demanding repayment for a real or alleged debt, using or threatening to use violence, monitoring and surveillance activities, paying very little or not paying at all for work, traffic victims may be forced to live in subpar conditions, living in a space that does not have heat, running water or electricity, living with many people, sharing the same small space, not be allowed to talk, to anyone alone or without supervision, being coached on how to respond to inquiries from others, including police and other authority figures, be paid at least a minimum wage and a safe and healthy workplace, not be held in a job against their will. That's what people are supposed to be doing, but not necessarily happening. And so we find even with the American immigration problem, With 7,000 people a week coming across our borders, we find much of that being involved in sexploitation. But who is it? How do you find those people? 4.8 million people are trafficked for forced sex exploitation. That was in 2017. Women and girls disproportionately affected by women trafficking accounting for 71% of all victims. And so today on Viewpoint, with those basic facts setting the stage for the front porch of hell, we welcome our special guest today, Jennifer Barrett, with her book, From Horror to Hope. Jennifer, it's good to have you here on the program. Thank you so much for having me. It is a joy to be here. 
Well, it's it's hard to understand how it could be a joy to lead us to the front porch of hell. But uh, if there's deliverance on the other side, I guess that's joy. Absolutely, it is. And when you work in um, in an environment like this, you have to cling to joy wherever you can. And that is why we're here, not because of the horror, but because of the hope. So, How is it that uh, you got involved with uh, uh, Project Rescue Foundation and uh, became, through your hus- with your husband, the executive director of Project Rescue? Well, 25 years ago, my parents were working overseas and had a very close friend who was working just kind of in the slums of a mm-hmm. large city in Southern Asia, mm-hmm. doing outreach, uh, doing feeding programs, things like this. So all of a the sudden, they ran into the red light district where hundreds of thousands of young girls were on the streets. And previous thought had been, oh, this is not an area where the church goes because these people are all here by choice. This is an area of evil, but this is all um, chosen, and so we don't need to go here. After being confronted with all of these women and having conversations with them, they realized that almost all of them had been tricked, had been coerced, had been brought here against their will, and were being held there and forced to work day after day against their will. So all of a sudden, my parents, who had been working in Southern Asia for a very long time, but completely unaware of this world, they felt like the Lord had dropped this opportunity in their lap. Hmm. And they felt like the Lord asked them, these are my daughters. What are you going to do about this? So you're talking your parents are David and Beth Grant. They are, David and Beth Grant. Well, they look like a very handsome couple. I'm looking at their picture on the back of your book. (laughs) They are handsome, and they are, more importantly, amazing global ministers and leaders. And so they felt like God gave them a vision, and they just thought, we have to do something about this. So one night in this red light district, they met 100 young women, and out of that 100 young women, 37 of them, 37 little girls came from out of that that group of 100 women, 37 daughters of those ladies. And these ladies said, could you please take our daughters away from here? Because if they stay here, they will be sold just like we were. Mm. And so in one night, my parents had 37 little girls, and they're just asking, God, what do you want us to do? Oh, my goodness. They started the first home for children, um, children who had been born into brothels. And the plan was, let's get them to a safe place, and then very quickly Local ladies in the church there volunteered to help as house mothers, and that really is how Project Rescue began. So there, there was no um, marketing strategy. There was no, oh my goodness, let's pick the issue that we're going to deal with, and that's trafficking. Trafficking wasn't even a well-known well-known word at that point. Uh-huh. No one really knew what it was that they were dealing with. Well, this was about twenty-five like, years ago, wasn't it? Yes, twenty-five years ago, and so they really had to walk by faith and say, we're not sure what this is, but we have women who want help, and even though it's a really, it's a, it's the front porch of health, that, you know, going in and working with these women in red light districts across the world, we are facing hell every day. However, we feel like they are God's daughters, and he's asked us to do something. So that's how it started 25 years ago. It has grown immensely. We are now in 11 countries mm. across three continents, 
And the work of Project Rescue ministers to over 60,000 women and children every year. Wow. That is, yeah. uh, that's amazing, starting from zero without any intention initially to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's really quite miraculous. It's amazing how God will uh, provide uh, opportunities and present us. And, of course, your parents had to make a choice then. When they see this, uh, it wasn't necessarily what they wanted to do. It wasn't the most desirous thing to go to the front porch of hell. Uh, but they uh, they felt that God had taken them there intentionally, and so they had to seize the moment, didn't they? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, back 25 years ago, even, you know, fellow believers were had a hard time understanding what they were trying to do. Well, I'll bet was- they did. I'm going to give you a chance to tell us about that when we get back from this break. Friends, the book, From Horror to Hope, you got to get it. It's going to inspire you. We'll be back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Indeed, we are facing one of the most uh, greater challenges that are facing America's heart and home here today as we talk about sexploitation, uh, taking us to the front porch of hell with our special guest, Jennifer Barrett. She and her husband now have largely taken over the ministry that her parents started, David and Beth Grant, 25 years ago. And she's going to be telling us a lot more about it. But I want to make available to you uh, this wonderful book, From Horror to Hope. Uh, you see, many of us need to be exposed like her parents were, like Jennifer's parents were. If they had not been exposed, they would never have known. So God, in his uh, mercy for those who needed the help, exposed her parents to the red light district there in Asia, and as a result of that, a ministry began called Project Rescue that every year now is touching the lives of 60,000 women around the world in 11 countries. So here's the book, From Horror to Hope. It's a $19 book, yours, for $14 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, and we'll get the book to you. And uh, I am convinced that God, by his spirit, will touch your heart as a result. Okay, Jennifer. Uh, you talk in your book about a fellow by the name of Devarash. Did I pronounce that correctly? Uh, Devarash. Devarash. Okay, that sounds yes. better. Devarash. <laughs> and Devarash uh, was working in an oil field as an executive in Iran uh, during the days, uh, the last days of the Shah's rule there before it, uh, the Islamic Revolution in 1979. And there he met an American pastor that invited him to a Bible study. 
And uh, he had just gotten there to, in Iran uh, from India, and he wasn't very interested in the Bible study, but he did it some friends, didn't he? Yes. So it's amazing the stories and how they develop as God uses people, uh, followers of Christ, uses them in the lives of others, and over time, gradually, you find the trajectory of their lives leading them to a place of amazing ministry. Go figure. Yes, so true. It's so true. It's amazing how God works. Well, it is. So tell us a little bit more about Devaraj. Devaraj. Okay. So after he um, he met that friend and he started going to that Bible study and he met Jesus. And then, even though he had this great, you know, he had a good job uh, in the Middle East and he was making a lot of money, he felt like the Lord asked him to go back to his homeland of India and minister mm-hmm. to those that were in difficult situations. And so he founded a teen challenge center there in one in this large city in Southern Asia. Mm. Um, and just so you know, we use uh, we don't use city names for the safety and security of the ministry, and uh-huh. some of them are in difficult places. So this city he founded a Bombay, uh, he founded a teen challenge center, and it was through that teen challenge center and that team. They were doing outreach, you know, in the um, in the slums and in the really impoverished areas of the city, and that's where they came upon the red light district, and you know, all of this started. So it was his journey that led my parents and all of us to what Project Rescue now is. Mm-hmm. Now, so it all started in southwest, uh, southeast India, in uh, oh, Asia rather, southern Asia, mm-hmm. southern Asia. And uh, what countries uh, would be included in that? Southern Asia. So, so Southern Asia is um, like India, Nepal, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, that part of the world. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. And yet, in the in your book, I noticed that you have uh, uh, historical accounts from many, many different uh, places. Not just all in South uh, Asia, for instance, Belgium and yeah. uh, France, uh, Moldova, Europe. Uh, most of them, two thirds of them, are from Asia, but not all. Mm-hmm. So, really, the ministry of Project Rescue grew organically through relationships, uh-huh. and so as as the ministry grew in Southern Asia, in different cities, and people would hear of what was happening, and they would say. We have a heart for this. You know, we want to work with people who have been exploited. Uh, we feel like God has called us to this. We see what you're doing. We want to, you know, we want to learn from you. We want to do it here. So that started to grow throughout Southern Asia. Then it started to grow into Europe. So the first country in Europe that we kind of started partnering with local leaders are, was in Spain. Um, and so Spain is a very, very, um, very busy country in mm-hmm. Europe for trafficking. Oh, really? And so, yes. And so girls from all over the world are trafficked into Spain. Why do you think there. that is? I would so, think it would be more like France. Right. So a large number of African girls get brought up across the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, girls who have been sold by their family or go- girls that have been tricked into believing they're going to go to Europe and be a nanny for you know, a wealthy family, and so they 
ask someone to take them across and they find themselves when they land in Spain, they have been sold and now they're working on the street. Okay, now wait a minute, wait a minute. This sounds an awful lot like how slavery began in the United States. It began with Africans selling their own people to the slave traders. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that's exactly rights. what's happening now with sex exploitation. Sex exploitation. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is what's happening. And so Spain is a is an entry point for many people um, into Europe. But then they're also coming. I mean, they have girls that are trafficked from South America, Latin America. Mm-hmm. They have girls that are trafficked from Asia. They have girls trafficked from Northern Europe down into Spain. It is a very complex web. And there's a lot of mafia involved. And so there are just so many levels to this. But Spain was that first country in Europe that really there was a national leader there named Fiona who just through mutual friends heard of my parents and reached out and said, I feel called to do something like this. Let Mm. me learn from you. Would you partner with me and we will do something here? And that ministry has grown into now seven cities across Spain. And now we're in several countries in Europe. And now the exciting thing is we have we've begun work with pastors in the continent of Africa to say maybe we could educate the villages in Africa and the young girls that are being tricked and say when someone approaches you if if we if we trained all the churches there are so many churches in Africa and if young girls growing up in these communities were told what to look for and what to avoid Maybe we could stop that pipeline of young girls being brought up into Europe from Africa. So we're talking about a problem that's very much like uh, the spreading of drugs. You have the exploitation of kids and others through drugs, and that's trafficked throughout the world. And now we have uh, sex trafficking, and we have uh, human trafficking, which which, uh, includes uh, a, a a form of slave labor other than through uh, uh, sex. So all yes, of these, true. all of these, then are serious blights of wickedness uh, in our world here on the near edge of the second coming, aren't they? They are. But the scary thing about human trafficking is, you can sell drugs one time. You can sell a human over and over and over again. Mm, mm, So it is mm. such a lucrative business, and that's why it's booming. That's why it's exploding. And so it can be a little overwhelming when you see the numbers and you hear of the overwhelming need. It can be be hard. All right. How would you define, uh, if it's possible to clearly define, the the concept concept of sex trafficking or sex exploitation? It is when someone is forced to participate in uh, sexual acts Mm -hmm. against their will. They are either forced or coerced, and so they are participating in in it against their will, and they are not receiving any payment. Okay. So unlike prostitution, uh, these uh, ladies, girls that are being sex trafficked get nothing other than a meager existence. Correct. They, they are often cared for um, just to the extent that they need. To, you know, they're, they're given food. They're given a place to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, it's not like they're well taken care of. But what are they promised? 
Well, all sorts of things, you know, so some, as we discussed, have been promised a better life or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a job in a big city. There'll be a nanny. There'll be a model. They're promised all these sorts of things. But some haven't been promised anything. Some were just merely sold by their family or by a friend just for money, and they had no say in it. And they were almost kidnapped, right? And they were kept... um, under literal chains until their will was broken. And so then they come to a place where even when they're not kept behind bars, they still stay just because those chains and that bondage becomes mental. Mm. I can't imagine uh, a much greater wickedness. Uh, This has got to pain the heart of God, Mm -hmm. cause the angels of heaven to weep. Yeah, we really do. We believe that, and we believe that there is nothing there is nothing closer to the heart of God than trying to rescue His daughters and to bring them to a place of safety, bring them to a place where they meet Jesus, and then He is the one who can heal them—mind, body, and soul. You know, there are—I want to say—there are so many people out there for as overwhelming of a need as this is. There are a lot of people out there doing good work and trying to intervene and trying to prevent trafficking and trying to trying to help and be the part of the solution. But for us, we have seen again and again that unless Jesus is part of that solution, the healing and the transformation in a survivor's life can only go so far. Because what they have experienced is so traumatizing to their whole person, including, <clears throat> including their heart and their soul and their mind, mm-hmm. that Jesus is the only one who can fully restore that. And so while while it it is overwhelmingly evil and it does pain the heart of God, he does not lose hope and he is still he still has a plan for them. So no one is too far gone. And that's why we do what we do. We believe that he can intervene. He will help rescue. He will help restore. And they can go on to live fully free and new lives in him. It's amazing. You say uh, in the chapter of your book called The Way Out, it is sadly common for a girl to hear words like this from her mother. Your grandmother was a prostitute. I'm a prostitute. You will be what I am. In some villages in Southeast Asia or South Asia, girls have been raised for prostitution for hundreds of years. They live on the margins of the village without status or property. They're despised. During 200 years of British colonialism, the British Army routinely recruited girls from these villages for the comfort of officers and enlisted men. These destructive mindsets have to be replaced so that these young women can experience transformation. Mm-hmm. That same thing happened in Vietnam mm. when America's soldiers went over there. Yep. It's happened everywhere. Mm-hmm. It does. It happens everywhere. And we don't think, normally we don't think about these kinds of things, but they're, the extent of this is vast, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, there is not a country in our world that is unaffected by human trafficking. It is everywhere. And I think that there's a mindset that some people can have that, oh, it's, it's only in third world countries or 
it's it's over on the other side of the world. I don't have to worry about it here, mm-hmm. but it's here as well. And you know the the devil, he is creative, and he's got he's got an army, and he is working. Uh, so we believe that God is raising up an army of believers right. who want to who want to do something about this and who want to stand in the gap and intervene for his daughters and sons because there are boys caught up in this too. So the devil's house has a huge front porch. It's worldwide. (laughs) (laughs) The front porch to hell is worldwide. And uh, friends, the book that we're talking about from horror to hope, inspiring stories of project rescue and a global movement to bring freedom to survivors of sex, uh, sexual exploitation. It is an, a $19 book. Yours for $14 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Uh, I want you to get a copy of it, to be inspired, to be encouraged. And uh, perhaps, who knows, the Holy Spirit might quicken your own mind and heart. We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome to Homes of Hope, friends. Homes of Hope, as you uh, get around and escape the front porch of hell, uh, these young ladies that uh, are discovered uh, around the world, and particularly in South Asia, are then welcomed to Homes of Hope, where so many different things are made available to them that otherwise have not been available. So while spiritual transformation... Resulting from the spiritual new birth in Christ is is essential and foundational. Uh, our guest today, through her book, says that's not enough. That there has to be more. And what kind of more is that then, Jennifer? Hmm. Well, we our goal is to provide holistic care, and mm-hmm. so that is going to meet the needs of a survivor, um, body, mind, and spirit. So we're going to meet, first we're going to get them to a safe place, out of where they were, uh, um, out of danger, and into a safe place. Well, that could be a challenge too, can't it? Absolutely. But it is rarely easy to get them to a safe place. All right, well, let's pick up on that later. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about what you do when you get them to the safe place, and then we'll go back to uh, finding how how do you get them there. Okay. So once they, once they are there and they can begin their healing journey, we need to address their medical needs. Um, their physical bodies have been under assault. They might have infections mm-hmm. um, based on what's been happening to them. Um, and so they might need medication. They might need regular medical checkups and medical care. 
Um, also, if they are pregnant or if they have a child, you know, we have to see to that as well. Um, then we provide trauma counseling services. So they have been through hell. Obviously, mm-hmm. they have they have been through so much trauma, and so in order to start to heal, in order to talk through that, we have counseling, and then yes, the spiritual part is you know foundational for us. Mm-hmm. We introduce them to Jesus. We begin a discipleship program. We get them involved in a local church so that they can be surrounded by a community of faith that they can grow with. Then we need to address education. So they cannot stay in our program forever. Our goal is to help them get to a healthy place where they can live independently, but do something else and um, make a life for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's very different from the one that they knew. And so if they're young enough, like if we get them as a child, we can actually send them to school. Um, if they are older and school is not an option, we can provide them with vocational training. So it's all very, I mean, it depends on what country that we're working in. Mm-hmm. Um, but say in Southern Asia, we can provide them training in baking or sewing. So um, they can get a job making clothes or working in a restaurant. Uh, we've got such cool, cool testimonies from young girls who grew up in our program, born into brothels, but grew up in our program, went to school, went to college, mm. then decided to get their master's. We've got girls who have MBAs who are wow. now working in ex- as executives in companies. So we don't believe that through this process, God just wants them to survive. We, we believe he wants them to become, um, to triumph, right? And to... Mm-hmm thrive, and they can be leaders. They can be whatever it is that they want to be. So that's the, that's the way that we try to approach the whole person. We try to care for every single part of them. So the- suppose that somebody wanted to invest in this particular uh, ministry uh, as part of their uh, kingdom investment. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what should they do? So our website www.projectrescue.com has the ability to, you can donate right there on the website. You can Mm -hmm. also get a lot more information about what it is that we do, how we do it, and other ways to get involved. You know, obviously, we always uh, need financial investment, obviously. Sure. There's also ways that you can pray. There's ways that you can get involved and raise awareness. Um, And so there's there's a lot of information on our website. All right. Are there, are there hands-on things that people can do? I mean, you and your husband uh, have been in, involved in hands-on, your parents, and obviously if uh, this has made its way to uh, 11 countries and you're dealing with up to 60,000 women a year, uh, you got to have a lot of, you've got to have a lot of hands on deck to help. <laughs> we do. That is so true. And there are always opportunities. So we've got ways like short-term trips for people to get involved. You know, there are some people who will hear about this and who will feel the Lord speaking to them. And, you know, we've had people who've quit their jobs and, you know, signed up to go work overseas. Mm. So those are all different options. Um, But, you know, at the very least, we would love for people to pray. And then, yeah, I mean, go visit our website and see what the other options are. All right. And that website again is? projectrescue.com projectrescue.com now what vision do you have of uh, perhaps 
uh, expanding that to the United States? So this is something that's big on our hearts because mm-hmm. it, you know, it originated overseas and my, my parents and then now us, we have worked overseas so much and that's where so many of our relationships have been. But, right. but obviously we are from the United States and so our heart is here also and there is so much of this right here going on all the time. So you and would so actually this- need someone like you. Uh, to see the opportunity and the need to capture that vision and to become, shall we say, your disciples and uh, uh, duplicates here in this country. Yes. Um, you know, and I, I believe, we believe that God is calling all the time. And we do have people who have kind of started to feel the call and start to do things in their own communities. Mm-hmm. And so we are trying to connect. And we're also a part of some different groups, like there's a group called FAST, Faith Alliance Against Slavery and Trafficking. Mm -hmm. So there are people of faith doing good work against trafficking here in the U.S. Okay. So we try to connect with those as much as we can. All right. So you don't want to try to reinvent the wheel, uh, but you do want to be mutually supportive of others that uh, are, are doing somewhat similar things. All right. Yes, so and that is a oh, go ahead. Sure. No, so that's a big part of our heart is we have 25 years of experience and um, like hard earned experience, right? We mm-hmm. didn't know what we were doing when we started, and so now we want to share that resource. We don't want to hold it all to ourselves. If there are people who want to do this work, we long to come alongside of them and resource them with training, with human resources, with finances. We just want to work together, because that's how we're going to accomplish this mission. How young girls uh, should people be aware of that get uh, sold into this kind of slavery? You know, the the age range is very large, um, but it can, it can be as young as five and six. But I would say the average is between, like, 11 and 14. Mm-hmm. That's the average age. So is they're heading into puberty? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. Now, we were told that uh, this could be a very dangerous endeavor just to try to uh, get one of these young ladies out of the environment uh, out of the brothel, out of the uh, red light district, into a safe place. How do you go about that, and uh, what kind of dangers do you actually face? So this is a great question, and it is a complicated answer. So the way that a rescue looks is different in each country that we work in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, is it like that movie um, with Liam Neeson, Taken, where you have to go in with force? and you have to rescue, and then you have to, um, you know, hide them. Mm. So there are countries that we work that it does look a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. Now, we never use force, but we will try to make undercover connections with girls on the street that we know are being uh-huh. controlled. Make well, does that put you in exposure to uh, uh, other elements, like even a, a kind of uh, mafia type of group or the pimps? Yes, it does. And so that's why we try to be very, we try to be very strategic about it. So for example, in some of the countries where the mafia is working and where we have to be so careful, 
we will connect with women and we will provide medical services. So even a trafficker is going to want his girls that he's in control of to mm. be healthy so that they can perform for him. I see. So okay. we will approach them that way and then make a connection with those girls and sneak them information. Here's a phone number. If you want out, if you want help, we can help you. Mm. And so then we work with local law enforcement to arrange a rescue and to get them out. So someone who is obviously, you know, not all of our team, um, you know, we don't have guns and we're not trained in that. So we try to work with local law enforcement to help get them out. And then they bring them to our safe home, which is completely protected and in a safe, undisclosed location so that their traffickers cannot find them. I'd be concerned that perhaps the uh, some of the so-called law enforcement was actually uh, involved in the trafficking. So there are some countries that we work that that is the case. And so we have to just pray. We have to be really wise. Um, there, are, Thankfully, we generally have some relationships that we just we trust and we know. And uh-huh. we kind of ha- they help us keep an eye out for ones that we might not be able to trust so much. But then, you know, so there are some countries that it looks like that. Other countries, especially in southern Asia, the rescue is a little bit, it's like a long-term, it's a long-term strategy. Uh-huh. So we go into a community and we we move in, right? We set up a medical clinic. We set up a coffee shop where, where people right in the red light district can come in and out and we begin to build relationships. And so then when a woman becomes sick or maybe the trafficker can't really use her anymore, um, they, they're like, well, you're here, you can take her. And so we'll try. Hmm. It's not always by force. We, we try to build it through relationship as well. And so then we can get them out that way. But we'd never, ever buy a, buy a woman or a girl out because if you put money back into the system, they're just mm. going to go buy another one. Yeah. So we just keep praying for, um, you know, new strategies. And especially as things get more difficult in our world today, we just keep praying for strategic ideas and new ways to find the women. In all honesty, uh, what would you say is your uh, success ratio? Answer that question after the break, okay? We'll be okay. right back after this, friends, from horror to hope, uh, inspiring stories of Project Rescue and a global movement to bring freedom to survivors of sexual exploitation. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. Our journey today here on Viewpoint began with the front porch of hell uh, as we found so many hundreds of thousands, 
millions of young ladies uh, around the world that are being seduced or sold into uh, sexual slavery. And uh, then we began to look at, uh, okay, where do we go from here? Well, our guest today, uh, Jennifer uh, Barrett, she and her husband are the Project Rescue Foundation Executive Directors of Project Rescue today. And uh, Project Rescue, as she said earlier, was no grand strategy of some lone abolitionist who set out to stop sex slavery 25 years ago. But instead, courageous men and women of God, beginning with her parents, in different cities of South Asia and Europe, were led by the Holy Spirit to take the hope of Jesus to victims of this vile, multi-billion dollar industry. And these pioneers in this ministry had in common had, had in common to bring to the battle that they didn't have much in common. But what made them different in this anti-trafficking space is that they decided to do the journey together and not alone. Well, John Dunn said, no man is an island, and uh, uh, you have not been functioning as an island out there, have you, Jennifer? No, we fully believe that we can only do this together. We don't go very far when we do it alone. Yeah, okay. So So back to the question. Uh, The question is... What is your success rate? Looking at it, uh, you know, beginning with the idea that God judges us according to our integrity. So what is your success rate? Looking realistically at it. So. uh, Depending on how you define success, actually. (laughs) This is true. But so for us, for us, we define success as, um, a woman or, you know, or a young man, but mm-hmm. most, mostly women sticking with our program, right? They, they're rescued. They start the program. Mm-hmm. They stick with the program, come through the training and then, um, are able to be reintegrated into their, whatever society, you know, that they're in, whatever culture they're in, uh-huh. have live into like live, um, independently, have a job, um, and still be like serving Jesus. So all of those things. So our our definition of success is pretty high. Um, and so for us, we would say our success rate is around eighty percent. Wow, eighty percent of the young women and men coming through our program that stick with it and that do not, you know, do not choose another path or go back to where we mm-hmm. found them. So the recidivism rate is only about 20%. Right. And you attribute attribute your massive success uh, to what specifically then? Or is it all of the above, all of the things that you've talked about? I mean, I definitely think all of the above, but, you know, obviously we, everything that we do is pointing back to Jesus Mm -hmm. and he is, everything that we do is Christ-centered, and um, we have, you know, core values that are, that every single ministry that is in our network is Christ-centered, is providing holistic care, mm-hmm. is, um, like, survivor-focused, um, but we provide dignity, and so there's just certain things that are a part of everything that we do, and then the fact that 
we do it together mm-hmm. and we lean on each other and we use, we don't, you know, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And so learning from each other's strengths and leaning on our teammates and the different people in the network who might, who might know, you know, a certain culture better or mm-hmm. if, if, you know, we've just, we've just received and we collaborate. That's what I think is so important. So our, our home in Spain, you know, they might receive a young woman who's been trafficked from South America. And so connecting with people there, what's the best way to reach her? What's the best way to communicate with her? Mm-hmm. What are culturally appropriate ways that we can, um, that we can really just like point her care and the direction of the way that we work with her. And so really tailored to each survivor and their specific needs and the way that they will respond best. And it's just really the Lord leading mm-hmm. every step of the way. I truly believe. All right. I'm going to ask you a very explicit question here. Uh, okay. And it's because of my experience in working with so many different ministries and observing them and their trajectory over time, uh, starting with uh, well-intentioned, seemingly spiritually minded and so on. But they end up uh, making secondary things the primary purpose. Uh, for instance, you might have uh, a, a, an organization that begins to feed the hungry in the mm-hmm. name of Christ. Well, mm-hmm. what happens normally is they get started that way, but gradually over time they forget the name of Christ and he becomes mm-hmm. only a mascot. Their real ministry is just feeding the hungry. And feeding the hungry takes over, and they're willing to sacrifice and receive all kinds of uh, money from government and so on uh, to do that which otherwise they said they wanted the Lord to do. Uh, I'm wondering to what extent you actually have remained pure in, king- in, in preserving kingdom values and the gospel message to these young ladies. Mm. That is a good question, and I think it is such an important question to ask and to keep at the front of our minds. So 25 years is a long time, mm-hmm. and I think it would be easy for there to be mission drift and for there to be um, drifting away from mm-hmm. the, the focus. Right, that's why and I'm asking has, it. Mission drift, yes. that's what they call it. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there have been opportunities. Uh, there have been, um, sorry, there have been large corporations that have offered us large sums of money mm-hmm. and said, we can get you a lot more if you just take the Christ out of your mission. Statement. Exactly. If you, if you just tone down the Jesus just a little bit, because I'm going to be very, very honest with you. In our culture right now, anti-trafficking is a very popular ministry. Right. Everybody agrees that trafficking is wrong. It's mm-hmm. very easy to get behind. So, so there's the no culture, political correctness involved there that no, would keep you. None at all. But you're, yes. what there is, is the, is spiritual antagonism. We don't want anything having to do with the Christian faith, uh, yes. connected. Otherwise the funds go bye bye. Right. So they are with us all the way up to the Jesus part. Mm-hmm. And then if we could just tone that down. So we have had opportunities, but here's why I, I believe that it, it it might be easier for us. Now, it's, it's never easy, but I think it might be easier for us than other organizations. So I, for example, like you use the feeding. You can feed people without Jesus, right? Mm-hmm, you right. can feed people, 
with money and you just give them food and that's awesome. But we have seen over 25 years that there is no full healing without Jesus. Right. So we don't believe that we can do this. We are, as you have said many times, we are on the front porch of hell. Mm -hmm. And we can't remain there without God. He is the only thing that keeps us there and keeps us safe and keeps us successful. Mm -hmm. So again, I've also mentioned there are many good people, well-intentioned people, doing anti-trafficking work. Their success rates are not the same. Mm -hmm. There is the element of God in this, where he is the only one who can fully take that woman or that that survivor on that full healing of that full healing journey. Well, it's because their it's because their efforts are basically information oriented rather than transformation oriented. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so God is the only one who can bring that full transformation. So mm-hmm. how could we stray from that at all? Yeah. You know, that's what brings the hope. That's what allows us to, to, to bring hope instead of just focusing on the horror. True hope is only found in God, and we believe that, and we will hold tight to that. You're a great spokesperson. You're just a great spokesperson. And uh, Thank you. Uh, normally, I would not necessarily gravitate to do an interview like this but i sensed that there was something more to this than oftentimes what we face with uh, different kinds of books like this that come through so mm-hmm. could you just take a moment or two and give us a quick thumbnail sketch of a couple of these young ladies that stand out to you that uh, whose lives have just been dramatically transformed Absolutely. That's my favorite thing to do. You've only got about three minutes, so go for it. Okay. I'll do my best. So we have um, four beautiful young girls who were rescued in Southern Asia. They were 25 years ago part of that first group rescued out of Mm, the red light district. Okay. Went through, went into our first safe home, went through our program, um, went to school. Through our program, they received money to go to college. So now those four, one of them has her MBA, is working as an executive at Wells Fargo Mm. in a large city there in Southern Asia. One is, um, I believe she is a music teacher. One is now back working with the ministry. Like she wanted to come back and help other girls Uh in what she's in. And then another is working on her master's right now. She wants to also get her MBA. So, Again, working, uh, thriving, one of them is married. Then we've got a young girl named Amy who came from Africa, and she was trafficked up into Spain, um, found on the street by the police without paperwork, so they were going to deport her. But our team found her in the detention center, brought her to the safe home. She went through the program. She started taking Spanish classes, started taking uh, counseling classes, mm-hmm. has met a young man, has gotten married, has now had a child, mm-hmm. and she is currently, like, she's finishing up her classes, and she's applying for jobs. Mm. Um, another young lady in India went through the program, uh, went to college. Now she's come back, and she's actually the director of the home that she grew up in. Wow. So, we we see it coming full circle, you know, mm-hmm. where, again, we we don't just see them as survivors. We know that God wants them to thrive, and he has 
a calling on each of their lives, and he has something great planned for them. And you are uh, God's hand extended, uh, mm, you and your absolutely. husband, and you're coming also from your family, uh, God's hand extended into a world that very few people really understand and know. And it's a beautiful thing. It has to be fulfilling. Reminds me of uh, a famous quote, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is, uh, you have to believe that you're doing it, not just in the name of Christ, but for Christ. A lot of things are done in the name of Christ, but don't stay that way. We've been talking about that. But you're trying to keep it pure. You realize that there's only one ultimate transform transformation that can take place and uh, take a person from the front porch of hell into uh, the promised land. And that mm-hmm. is the Lord Jesus Christ. The book From Horror to Hope. Uh, how long have you and your husband uh, been, been heading this up now? So we have been working with it, you know, uh, full time as adults now <laughs> for mm-hmm. 13 years. Mm-hmm. And um, we have been officially leading it. We uh, completed the transfer of leadership from my parents to us uh, mm-hmm. just several months ago. Wow. Okay. So this book is kind of a celebration of that in a way from horror to it hope. It really is. Yeah. Yes. And I, I think it's great. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here. And again, if uh, people want to connect with you uh, and feel that uh, this is something that they want to be involved with, uh, what would they do? What's that website again? Projectrescue.com. 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 Okay, friends, the book From Horror to Hope we got to get you off of the front porch of hell, and we got to get you into the promised land and all these young ladies. It's a $19 book, yours for $14. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Become a partner with us, friends. You can see... On many, many different ways, we are attacking, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. Pray for this uh, ministry and Jonathan and Jennifer Barrett. Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 